You're listening to The Chopping Block, a VIC Radio exclusive podcast. Hello, and welcome to The Chopping Block, where music is put to the test. I'm your host, Peter Gillen. I hope you're all doing very well today. And today, I want to introduce a very special guest who has a very special album for us today, Eli Pace. Hey, yo, what's going on? I'm, I'm Eli Pace. I'm a second year here at Ithaca College. Uh, I'm a music performance major. I play the bass. Uh, and the, the album I brought, uh, I had Peter listen to, is uh, Voodoo by D'Angelo. Yeah, I was about to ask you, what's the album? Yeah, D'Angelo. And I actually had Eli listen to one of my favorite albums of all time, Mad Villainy by Mad Villain, the collaborative group of MF Doom and Mad Lib. But anyways, before we talk about Mad Villainy, we got to talk about D'Angelo's Voodoo. So... Yeah, what if you want to introduce the album for us, Eli, that'd be cool. Yeah, so, I mean, <clears throat> this album has a lot of uh, extremely notable players. Uh, of course, D'Angelo on vocals. Uh, this album came out at the turn of the century in 2000, and uh, it had uh, Questlove on drums, Roy Hargrove laying down horn tracks, um, and uh, Pino Palladino on electric bass. Uh, I mean, this album influenced a lot of early 2000s hip-hop r&b soul music uh there was an interview i don't know if i told you this peter there's an interview mm-hmm. with Questlove talking about how he used to record with jay dilla during the day yeah and like then hit up and record with d'angelo at night so there is a lot oh of, yeah no i remember you telling me that at lunch once yeah, yeah it's just it, constantly working on this stuff but yeah like it, a lots of influential music was going down around this time period and yeah. voodoo was one of the one of the thin, one of the uh, offsprings of that. Yeah, which like I was hearing this album and I'm like, man, this really is like 2000s music. Yeah, because like, in a good way. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, yeah, yeah, no, it's definitely in a good way. Because like, I do really, I, I kind of like early 2000s stuff with like a bit of nostalgia. Because what is it? The College Dropout by Kanye West is one of my favorite albums. That one came out in 2004. I think something tough was like. I usually try and take notes for like solo songs for these, just kind of like kind of go through. But it was like, it was hard for me to make notes on singular songs because a lot of it felt, I wouldn't, okay. Cause I'm, I make critiques of certain albums where it's like songs sound the same, but this one, it felt more like it was one big song kind of like evolving throughout the whole album. And it, yeah. and I wrote in here that it reminded me of the Epic by Kamasi Washington in that mm. way. They're very different sounds. That's but, an interesting comparison. But That's like, another great record. Yeah. Too. Cause I know you recommended me the Epic and I listened to it a couple, I, I really like that. Album. I listened to it a few times and it's like pick out like solo songs. from it. I listened to it like as a whole thing, or at least it's like, that's how I'm like, yeah, this is how I can experience it. Cause it doesn't feel like a bunch of solo songs. It feels like one gigantic and that was the the goal of that album going in yeah and i I don't know 100 percent about like exactly what the goals were for voodoo i know like a couple of details outside the album but like Mm -hmm. i mean i think yeah i think it's it's definitely one that you if not listen to the whole thing at once but like listen to chunks of it at a time like i think the first like five tracks really like like uh uh, go into each other well and like complement each other quite a bit mm-hmm. um especially like some of the like outs like sort of outlier tracks like left and right which yeah. is like one of the only songs where there's like actual rapping in it oh yeah no i wrote and, that down yeah. and uh and then like untitled which is like really truly like a ballad mm-hmm. and like 
but yet it all like sort of you know uh calls back to what's been going on and then you just have like super groove heavy tunes that really like held like like i said like paved the way for lots of early 2000s music like there mm -hmm. was a this like laid back type of groove was something that like wasn't done so like like as like refined as it was here yeah. i mean it was done i mean and and that's where you hear like the dilla beat and like mm -hmm. and jay dilla was doing a lot of it too but like this album really like refined it to a point where like it it was it was just done it was like pure perfection on a groove standpoint yeah this album is so like even just like listening to it on my own, I was literally in a campus center today listening to it and it's just it's so tough not to groove to it yeah. it's just such like a groovy album and not even like in like the cheesy 70s way it's just like really so the it's all these songs are built on these really simple like rhythms that you just drive you through the whole song and you just like vibe to it especially so you brought up untitled how does it feel and I was like, I just remembered the the beat to it and just how like nice and flowing it was. And you have that with so many other songs. I think the only time you don't feel that as much is with uh, Left and Right, which is like the the only song I would legitimately be like, it, this is a rap song. Yeah, it's yeah. it's it's very much like an outlier, but it it makes me chuckle every time it comes yeah. on, just because it has a very light. I feel like this album is a pretty heavy one to listen to. Mm -hmm. Um, I think. Like D'Angelo does a good job of making even the silliest sounding lyrics like sound heart wrenching. Yeah. Like there's a track off his uh one of his later albums uh called Sugar Daddy. <laughs> and like the lyrics are ridiculous. <laughs> like they are like I was like shocked when I read them. But like the way he sings it like makes you feel like a certain like yeah. emotional content. And I think that's just his voice and inflection and like and so, like, to me, like, this album, especially with, with part, like, songs that have, like, heavy lyrics, like, Untitled and, mm -hmm. and stuff like that, like, it, it's a heavy one to listen to. So I think having some of that levity, like, right at the start yeah. with Left and Right is really nice. There's definitely, like, some pretty, like, deeper stuff to it. I didn't go too much into lyrics or, like, kind of, like, the themes and stuff, but it did seem like there are these really chill beats that would have, um something deeper beneath them especially like songs like devil's pie i think yeah. that's like the one i mostly think of it's such a groovy song and you're just like dancing away but it's like you're like what what is the devil's pie like what's going on but it's definitely like a metaphor for some sort of like you know money or fame or just anything yeah and and yeah it's it, it's i i also think like sometimes reading a lot into the lyrics of d'angelo's pieces almost maybe it's too aggressive to say does a disservice to the track mm -hmm. but like I've read like some of the, his lyrics are hard to understand like the way he says them just because right. he has such a falsetto like like a uh, set tone in his voice and there's a lot of harmonies and and I think D'Angelo as a person was always more focused on the groove and the music yeah. like aspect as opposed to like the sort of poetry aspect that comes with like rapping and lyricism right. something that we'll get into with the <laughs> yeah. other album but uh like it, so, I I think it's even okay if you don't know the lyrics all the time because I I sure don't. I mean <laughs> I, like I, I would seriously have to like read them to be able to understand them too. Yeah. But like um, I don't know. I just think there's something so touching about how his inflection and like his range and 
and everything. And the craziest thing is he sounds the exact same in person. I don't know if you looked really? up any live I, stuff. I've not looked at live performances. It sounds like, I mean, well, the thing with these, this record and all his records particularly is uh, like there's very much a studio sound to them. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, you know, and the, the guys you got on there, like Pino Paladino, the bass player, like he is a studio guy through and through. Like he he only really plays a studio uh, musicians and he's known as a studio mu musician. He plays a lot live. Like he plays with the John Mayer trio, actually. Oh, that's pretty cool. Um, and he's played with like countless musicians, but like he's just known for being in the studio. So like this, this whole album has like a, a sound that almost you would assume automatically assume cannot be replicated outside the studio. Yeah, but then, but then you listen to them live <laughs> and you're, you're like, no way. Yeah, like no way they made it sound exactly like the record. Yeah, I I've, just thought I'd throw that out there. No, that is like <laughs> that's really cool. Like I just, it's so crazy. It honestly, it, it reminds me. I wouldn't say it reminds me, but it, it feels a lot like um, just a jazz jam session, just a little bit. Like people are just riffing and finding little things. And I, I, something I brought up in my notes was how, like, you know, I brought up how simple these kind of beats were a little bit and how you can kind of just have these little simple yet intentional, like in, intentional sort of bits. And like the way they're so effective is that they add these little extra flares to it, which I brought up with the layered vocals. They would mm. bring in these layered vocals that never overstayed their welcome, but whenever they came in, they would just hit you. And it's like, even though it would be somewhat frequent, you would never expect it. And then you're like hit and you're like, whoa, like he sounds so cool. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think that's one of like, Dean, like the D'Angelo, like strong suit is, is layering those vocals. Mm -hmm. And it's funny that you bring up simplicity because, like, I don't disagree with you that the beats are simple. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think they're simple when you listen to them. And then if, if anybody with, like, a musical ear or, like, is a musician and, and you know how to play the instruments that these people are playing, like, the interesting thing is how much depth there is for uh, maybe a different type of ear or somebody who plays the instrument. Because, like, just on initial listen, like... Like I'm glad that you said that because like I I you listen to a lot of music right, right. but oh uh, like you don't play it as much mm -hmm. so like like hearing the, that perspective from somebody really like shows the genius of <laughs> this musician because like it's super simple it's super like accessible but on a closer inspection and we were talking about this like it's like it's deceptively difficult mm -hmm. like what is happening like a lot of Questlove's drum beats are not lined up the way a normal like 4-4 funk groove would be yeah like and if you see him there are lots of videos on youtube of him like showing examples of like what kind of beats he was playing around with mm -hmm. i mean they call it the drunk beat because <laughs> it's sort of like it's like a normal 4-4 like uh beat but it's just a little offset so it almost feels like you're wobbling a little bit yeah but it's like it, they use it to such a great effect in this where it's not as in like wobbling like drunk it's more like wobbling like and you're just grooving just yeah a bit to yeah it. it's very much yeah drunk beat i think is the funny name that they yeah. probably came up with if we're gonna go back to vocals as well something i compared it to especially with like the use of like modifications of his voice mostly with like the layering i kind of thought of like frank ocean if you've ever heard yeah, his stuff yeah it, it's like having that really high vocal range and also just messing around so much with your own voice even though you know, both of their voices are 
extremely beautiful mm-hmm. you can still mess around with it and give different effects than just like i can sing very high or something like yeah and that's the thing with d'angelo i do, I, I now this is something i actually am not 100 percent sure i think he had other vocalists on it to layer the vocals um i'm not sure if you're right but i th- if um if that is true i would yeah i would agree because i i did feel like i heard some extra voices that weren't unless it's just other takes of d'angelo doing it or i think it might be a combination else. yeah um i think for untitled probably it's mostly him because i know i don't know if you ever saw the music video no that's like a whole I, other discussion of like the uh importance of that song and that video but like I think the point of it was that that song was supposed to be very raw and very much just him. So I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if all the vocals on that track were him and him only. But I know in live performances, he has like a whole vocal group to mimic. That's why he sounds so similar on the record is yeah. whether it's just him or other people live. He's got like a whole entourage of, of people like mimicking those like layered voices. And it's just it's spectacular. That's so awesome. Yeah. I, I should probably listen to some of that live. But, like, overall, though, this album was great. I had a great time. I feel like this would – I've been having difficulty finding music that I can kind of put on in the background because most of it's very, like, lyrical, intensive, or just I have to pay attention to it a lot. But I feel like Voodoo, like, I can pay attention to it if I want, but also having in the background is just so, like – it's so nice. Yeah, it's very – yeah, it's perfect for that. Like, I throw it in, uh, like, on and during, like, car rides and stuff, yeah. and it's, like, perfect – and then like or to like to study too, but it's also great when you just want to like sit and yeah. listen to some music, and not be like, you know, overburdened with, yeah, you know, like intensity of lyrics or intensity yeah. of like storytelling. And not that this album doesn't have any of that, but it's just it's so groove oriented that you can really just lay back and yeah. enjoy it. But it's everything. not like something like to pimp a butterfly where yeah. you hear it and it's like it's incredible, but you you're like this is the story this is what i'm trying to tell you yeah or like the epic like you said yeah that's not an album you study to <laughs> yeah <laughs> actually well i have duke car rides to it but it's like, yeah it, it's a very i mean well, at least for me personally i couldn't yeah. study to it that, that <laughs> album's too intense for me yeah <laughs> but anyways uh we're getting a little off topic here let's 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 head on to the next album i'm yes. very excited to talk about this and you were telling me how excited you are as well um talking about mad villain or Mad Villains, which is MF Doom, and uh, Mad Libs, Mad Villainy. So uh, this album is one of my favorites. It's got 22 tracks and 46, it's 46 minutes about, which I find really funny because Eli, like, Voodoo's only 12 tracks and it's like an hour long. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, Eli, what did you think of Mad Villainy? Uh and like what well, the album we were just talking about was sort of an entry point for me. And then mm-hmm. I started listening to a lot of like Mac Miller because I knew Thundercat played with Mac yeah. Miller and I loved Thundercat. And so I loved Mac Miller. And then like hearing this, like where, because I admit Mac Miller is like a very modern version of like stuff like, like, you know, like this, yeah. like what we were listening to. And I was so happy to ha- like have been recommended an album that's like considered a classic mm-hmm. that like, is the sound I was looking for. That's just like, I mean, the, the amount the album varies like between from track to track and sampling is always something I've been fascinated by. Like there was a lot of like samples that I 
personally knew a lot about. Oh, did and you? Then, sorry, uh, sorry to interrupt. Go but ahead, like, yeah. You recognized the Nardis sample at the beginning. Yeah, of Nardis, Ray. and they had yeah. a, a Dr. Lonnie Smith. Uh, he's a Hammond B3 player. They sampled one of his tunes. What song was it on? Um, I think it. Was, I think it was on Figaro. Oh, Figaro, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, like the piano. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, yeah which actually, rest in peace, Dr. Lonnie Smith recently passed away oh, so really? i thought i thought oh, that God. was such an interesting coincidence because <laughs> i was like i just i just read that he passed away recently and i i had that song come on damn that's and unfortunate I, was, I mean it was i it, it was fate man yeah, yeah but like that was like all those like jazz samplings were like so cool and so tastefully done yeah and just like i was reading about like some of the he sampled like some indian music as well um in uh Oh, um, um, Shadows of Tomorrow? Shadows of Tomorrow, yeah. Yeah. Um, Just that whole, like, the thumb, like, bum, 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 like, all yeah, that. Yeah, they, they, I was reading that he had sampled, like, some Indian music, which I thought was really interesting. And it was just, like, you could tell just by listening to it. I mean, obviously, you can tell by reading about it, but just by listening to it, you can tell how diverse this album is in yeah. terms of, like, the two individuals working on it and, like, what they did to create it. Yeah, there it's such a perfect combination of, you know, someone who is is such like a masterful lyricist, MF Doom, which I think the only song we may go into lyrics a little bit on is Accordion mm-hmm. and um and Madlib who's just such a great producer, which I think like the more I thought about it, like I usually kind of try and find a theme between the two albums that that we listen to, and with this, I kind of found them to be slight opposites. Where Voodoo's very laid back and kind of chill, while with its production, while like uh, Mad Villainy is so like Madlib creates such a intense atmosphere, and it's mm. so it's so cold. It's so yeah. They had something to say with this one. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it was like the perfect like match for the character of MF Doom cuz his whole thing is like he's basically a rap supervillain and yeah I was going to ask you about that cuz that was the one thing I I didn't do a ton of reading on MF Doom other than that like this was his first opportunity to really be in the spotlight like that 2004 was like his year yeah. it, it was Mad Villainy and Um Food came out like the same year which um Mad Villainy is like people love Um Food but like Mad Villainy is the more well-known one and like this is insane this album is just like it is perfect there are so many songs that are like that you can consider classics and it's like it's one of those albums that if someone would be like this is my favorite song most people would be like yeah all right makes sense like i get that like honestly for me every time i listen to it my favorite song kind of changes like sometimes it's accordion sometimes it's uh raid sometimes it's curls and then like Oh, Recent. Curls was great. Yeah, that like, was that was a groovy tune. Yeah, Curls is so good. Um, Rhinestone Cowboy at the end sometimes becomes my favorite, and then like Fancy Clown has really been growing on me because mm-hmm. I I love it from both production, how they transition to it with the song before it, um, and the lyrics are so funny. I love it. Actually, I'm gonna go into lyrics in this one because it is so genius how he sets up this little story. So even though MF Doom is already like, you know, a villain, he actually has an alter ego called Victor Vaughn, which is basically like mm-hmm. the the side or like the prodigy to MF Doom, but he's like he kind of secretly hates him. And <laughs> the story is that um what is it? Uh Victor Vaughn's girl he finds out was um 
like sleeping with MF Doom and he's calling her and the thing that's so funny is like he's bringing up like you feel sorry for him you're like oh no that's horrible and then in the next verse after that he brings up the fact he's like all right yeah like this is awful but then also i <laughs> messed around with your friend as well and the maid at that one hotel <laughs> and all that yeah. and it's like it's both like kind of heartbreaking in the beginning yet also like adding a bit of levity and like to the whole structure of it and also you hear like these little i don't know if it's samples or just actual like vocal recordings that they had of like this little female voice kind of interjecting at certain points of yeah. like it's like wait what like what did you say like all that. it's so good <sighs> yeah i felt like there were a lot of that's what I, that was one thing i was trying to like i was very interested in about the tone of the album because like I mean, maybe this was just, like, a false interpretation, but I, I don't know if there is necessarily one. But to me, like, the album actually felt, like, it felt, like, heavy in terms of content. Like, there mm -hmm. was a lot going on, and it definitely had a vibe to it that, like, makes you feel, like, a certain way, you know? And, yeah. And, um, I, like, I even felt senses of, like, nostalgia listening to it, even though, like, I'm not as familiar with this type of music. Like, for some reason, that just, like, feeling came over me listening to it um i think especially with things that i know i'm going to really listen to a lot in the future like i that that feeling like instills itself into me quite early and like with this like i thought it, like like i said before like they definitely had something to say and like something to prove like as a duo yeah but, like a lot of it felt like like they were having a lot of fun with it oh definitely like, like yeah. aside from just the tracks like like fancy clown that were just like you know, like, you know, kind like of a fun storytelling track. Yeah, like, it just felt like, like, with the grooves and, and the lyrics and just everything going on, like, it just felt like they were having an absolute blast. Yeah, like, like doing this. You can see the chemistry in so many of these songs of just how well, like, the production fits and how like sometimes they riff off of each other like in america's most blunted both mf doom yeah. and madlib as quasimodo show up in there and it's like <laughs> that was probably one of my favorite tracks that I song think. is so that, much that fun really there there are like so many songs that's like you mostly the album going back to like the tone you were bringing mm. up it, it does something that they try and capture that is like mf doom also does in his other uh, albums especially mm, food um, it is sort of this comic book vibe. That's where kind of like that nostalgia comes from. Sort of like, you know, that old, um, what is it, like 50s, 60s, like Spider-Man animation? Yeah, where they had like the Dick Dastardly stuff. Yeah. Like the samples from that. Like yeah. that that whole intro, the illest villains, is probably one of the best intros to an album I've and ever the heard. stuff with the headphones. Yes. Like, I, I love it when albums do that. Like I feel like not enough artists do that. Yeah, like... I when I hear the intro to this album I get chills every time. It is so good at establishing the tone of like both like it this is kind of, you know, serious a little bit of like, you know, there's crime, all this stuff and like I just imagine like this this black and white like television broadcast or something, like someone mm. warning of everyone of like these two villains who've escaped and are wrecking havoc on the town. And it's like people like either preparing or like reacting to like MF Doom and Madlib being like set loose as the duo of Mad Villain. And like especially when it's like the way it's like the duo named Mad Villain. Like you clearly hear the cut, but it's like, oh my gosh, it fits so well. Upon like a first listen to this album, like the tracks keep you guessing. Like mm -hmm. I love the fact that they're all short and yeah. sweet and and there's 22 of them and it's not a super like 
Uh, you don't have to like put aside a lot of time to listen to it because like it, it keeps you guessing and it, it like excites you for what's coming next, especially when those little like beat drops happen where they like yeah. you know kind of screw with the with the like meter and stuff like that. Every I just I got like a stank face every time I no, <laughs> every I, time I heard that part. I, I, like sometimes I'm just lost for words talking about how good this album yeah. is. I'm interested to hear what you have to say uh, in terms of like some of the sampling because. For me initially, and I think it's growing on me, but and, and I don't think it's necessarily a problem I have or like a critique or anything because I think this album is pretty much like, I, I can't come up with many things like yeah. wrong with it. Just something I found interesting. Um, and again, I don't listen to a lot of hip hop, so I'd be, I'd be interested to hear your opinion on this. Is like some of the sampling of like the tunes, like specifically of like Nardis, like I felt like it was very interesting how like, they just sort of played it out front mm -hmm. and it like set the vibe and then the tune would come in and it felt like it was a different it felt like it was contrasting and and i can understand that from a point of like sort of messing with the beat or like having it based up but like even the beat was like the the tune was like faster yeah and it was just it was interesting to me and it was intriguing i think was the biggest thing i i don't think i had an issue with it it was just like fascinating different. compared to um there was another tune where they sampled a James Brown um money folder. Oh That's money it. folder. Yeah. Um, um Money yeah. Folder, they like sampled James Brown and James Brown's a super like uplifting artist in terms of like especially the tune they sampled. You know, you come out with these like blazing horn hits and then you mm -hmm. know he hits them with one of your his signature like good gods or something like yeah. that. And then like uh who I'm assuming is MF Doom comes in with this super laid back, deep voice, like yeah, that's... almost sort of like haunting tone. And yeah. I just liked how those juxtapose each other. And I almost sort of wish they did that more. At least the samples, if we're going to the Nardis one, I find it as a transition point from Bistro to uh, Raid. Gotcha. Where it, um, where it is sort of like you still feel like you're on the stage, but slowly transitioning to a performance, and then it's like it hits you right when the beat. Yeah, goes. that that that's it's cool that you say that because I was when I was looking for ways to sort of like like internalize that was I sort of thought of like a band like asking the house music to come off before they play. Yeah, like, and yeah, sorry. whether that was their intent or not, I liked that idea. No, I like. Even though this album isn't like a concept album, like stuff like uh, Big Fish Theory or, um, I don't know, some other albums I like, like Yeezus or something, this album still brings up a lot of like visuals for me and like a slight, I wouldn't say narrative, but more just like a little little story and visuals I could find. Oh, especially yeah. with This was a very visual experience yeah, for me. Like, yeah. Like, um, especially Bistro, just that whole like mm -hmm. setup, um, but like, he introduces like all his other characters, like was um Victor Vaughn. Mm -hmm. He's got Mad Lib plus Quasimodo, and then King Ghidro is um is another name he went under when he produced an album. Uh, I think it's like King Ghidro, Take Me to Your Leader, where it's basically he produced a bunch of songs for like a bunch of other underground rap artists. Yeah, and um, <laughs> it feels like something you'd kind of see in like a comic book movie today where it's like the ultimate crossover this is the ultimate mf doom album where it like it it kind of references everything and it's like if yeah. you've picked up on that you would kind of know and it's like yeah basically like another kind of comic book sort of reference there mm -hmm. 
Yeah, um, I think yeah. yeah, I I I love the visual aspect of the whole thing and like the the sort of comic book theme mm-hmm. and also the like classic TV tropes yeah. that they had. I I thought the whole thing was very masterful and and very very. It, it was great to listen to. I also thought like I, as a bass player, I gotta say the bass lines like drove oh every single track, <laughs> home. especially America's Most Blunted. I guess yeah. that's why you love that's the, the boop boop boop. It's just yeah. so simple, but like it just drives that whole song. I think yeah, I think it drives like the whole album. Just like each one, like 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 oh, and it was awesome. Like the groove, I, and I think that's something I took away from it the most is like sometimes I feel like I, I don't know. I feel like they took a lot of like things away from like the sort of like minimalist aspects of like groove music and like funk right. and stuff like. Um, there was one track that was only like 50 seconds of them doing like the same groove over and over again. Oh, was it um, one of the instrumental tracks? Yeah, it was, uh, uh it was Stick Fit. Oh, Sick Fit? Oh, or yeah, Sick yeah. Fit, sorry. Yeah, that one. Not Stick Fit. Uh, I can't, so That one's I can't a minute read. 20. The, um, yeah, it, it was, and it was very much just the same thing over and over again up until yeah. like the last 30 seconds. No, I, that is actually one little thing I forgot to bring up, but like the instrumental tracks, they're a little odd. I they do he does that a lot with like his albums which he, there's like a weird thing with mm, food which i can talk with you later about but um like these instrumental tracks are like kind of like sprinkled throughout and it, it i don't know i it always gave me this little sense that it's like it's not the album's unfinished but it like it feels like this is very professional but it's a little bit like sprinkling like little treats for you of like yeah it's almost like it's like a palate cleanser mixed with like a little yeah. surprise like or like almost like a little intermission to like because yeah. like if if you view this album as like a narrative, even though there's not like a clear overarching narrative, if you mm-hmm. like, it, I sort of viewed it as like the narrative of these two artists, like right, like creating their art, mm-hmm. and, which I mean sounds like a kind of superficial thing to say, but like no, but I get what you're saying. I I think like if you look at it as sort of a narrative in that way, like these provide really good like ways to just ground and like center yourself. Because there's a lot, I mean, each track is really short, but there's a lot happening. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, and there's a lot to process. And I think those, like, groove instrumental tracks, like, give you a a time to, like, ground yourself and, like, get back into it for the next track, which I really think is is cool. Yeah, especially I liked how you used the word palate cleanser there because we can't really go into the lyrics now, but, like, MF Doom's bars are so dense. (laughs) Yeah. You're being thrown with thrown like so many words compacted in like these verses which by the way something crazy is like there are basically no choruses in this album it's just all verses it's all Mm -hmm. bars there's not like classical like song structure of like you know a b a prime b a prime that's that's great that you bring that up because i don't even think i noticed that like yeah. I mean, obviously, I did, like, subconsciously, but, mm-hmm. like... But it's, like, you, you don't yeah. really think about it. Like, I, I saw a video that was talking about it, and it's, like, wow, the, these songs really are just him just rapping. It's, like, he just was, like, thinking of it with these beats and then just, like, went into the booth, just went, like, read it all out like a shopping list. But it, it's... crazy. Yeah, and he's, like, going through all these bars, and then it's, like, you get the little palate cleansers of, like, Bistro, which it's not, like, technically an instrumental song, but it's, like compared to Meat Grinder, which was before this, which is like so, jeez. I'm going to cut that line out. <laughs> um, but like, it's just so dense with how he says like these things. And then you just go to Bistro where he's just casually talking about it. Then you go through Raid, America's Most Blunted. And then you go to Sick Fit, 
which is just like kind of a minute long palette cleanser, which then goes to rainbows, which like you kind of have this like open feel and then to like a dark closed feel in rainbows. Rainbows was intense for me. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's like after curls, which is actually a pretty short song. You then get the shortest instrumental break, do not fire. Um, and then it goes to money folder, shadows of tomorrow, uh, Operation Lifesaver, another love that's, you actually That's crazy that Money Folder and, and uh, uh, I keep blanking on the Shadows of Tomorrow. Shadows of Tomorrow. Or like yeah. back to back. Or back to back. Because those are like very uh, intense pieces of music, both of them. Like, I mean, Sun Ra's voiceovers, he, he's an interesting. It's Quasimodo. Guy. Uh, no, there's there's other, or, there's voiceovers uh, that. I know he uh, goes like Sun Ra. Sun, yeah, no, uh, but the guy like talking, oh, that really? sounds like a recording. Oh, that's, a, is, that's Sun Ra. That's Sun Ra, oh, yeah. Never mind, I'm um, done, my bad. <laughs> no, it's all good. Yeah, no, because I, I was looking at like the sample, the, the, the like the samples, specific samples and stuff. Oh, and, you mean the, the vocals of the guy saying like, you know, time is officially ended. Like, yeah, that's, yeah, that oh, guy. It's not it's not like vocals, more, more like uh, like speaking. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I had no idea. Yeah, that's Sun Ra. Oh, and I mean, okay. for any of you guys know who Sun Ra is, like he is an interesting guy. <laughs> yes. He, I think he thought he was like an alien from a, like sent from another universe I mean, or something. Now that you're putting that in context, I thought that was like from a movie or something. I did not know those were actual quotes from a guy. No, no, those were actual quotes. Yeah, he was, a, he genuinely believed that stuff. And he's That's very, crazy. he's a very important figure in terms of like a lot of like spiritual discussion and, and he was a musician as well, a jazz musician. Yeah. But oh like gosh, the jazz themes. Yeah, people people use his quotes a lot to sort of add like this is like certain aesthetic that he was super big into, and mm -hmm. I thought like the usage of that in this tune like makes it a heavy tune to process because Sun Ra's sort of ideology is a heavy thing to process. Yeah, it's really like yeah, especially comparing it to like what Quasimodo and Madlib like. Because he Madlib does come in like normal pitch, uh, of like kind of going through like these really weird like verses of like kind of conceptualizing time, mm -hmm. of like time is the shadow of tomorrow and it's like past is the finished product, anything that's ended has finished like all that stuff and it's like all these things just basically literally making fun of time. Yeah, and it's like it's like. Yeah, just think about it. This is ridiculous. Like, that's basically, like, the whole thing. And I love it for that, especially with just this very hard-hitting beat that just kind of... It, it's a real thinker. Real thinker. Yeah. It's... it's Yeah, it's awesome. There's, like... Oh, my gosh. We could talk about this for so much longer, but, like, we're kind of running low on time. Yeah. But, yeah, overall, I'm pretty sure I think your your thoughts on this are pretty positive. Yeah. I Yeah, I, I it's definitely one that I'm looking forward to taking many more listens to because I just it's got a lot more listens left in me at least uh there's lots to check out in this despite the the shorter overall like fairly short runtime for an album yeah mad villainy it's great and also D'Angelo's voodoo very good as well yes just, if, if you're trying to cool down after listening to mad villainy yeah honestly listen to voodoo these albums would pair nicely together yeah, either <laughs> way either to to kind of cool off or if you just want to just jump into a 
ice bath right after. Yeah, yeah. After well, one of those two things. Yeah, either one. It's it's wonderful. But anyways, I want to thank you so much for being here, Eli. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, it's a great conversation as always. And I hope you all tune in for our next episode. I'm not sure who the guest is going to be, but uh, just hope you tune into the chopping block once again. I hope you all have a great day, and I'll see you later. This has been a VIC Radio production.